Welcome to Live with Domery Podcast here at Domery Healthy and Fit, where we bring you incredible episodes every single week. Today, I am honored to say we have Sam Benson coming back on to talk to us about how to get back in the groove of the new world of living with the fear of COVID, but moving forward in the brighter light. And she's also going to be talking to us about how to stay positive living with autoimmune diseases, just like multiple sclerosis. Stay tuned for Sam Benson to come on. Today's podcast is sponsored by Thermapparel. Under cooling, cooling vests do more of what you love. These cooling vests are confident, they keep you cool, extremely comfortable, and I wear them all the time living with multiple sclerosis. And whether you have an autoimmune disease or you are completely healthy, Thermapparel has the perfect vest for you to keep your body cool and moving forward in your everyday life. Check out my website at Domery Healthy and Fit. Go to Thermapparel and swipe and order yours today. Welcome, Dr. Sam Benson. And we are going to be talking today about multiple sclerosis, but we're also going to be talking today about getting back in the swing of everyday life and moving forward and how do we keep shining bright and understanding what's happening in the world. Right? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for having me. Um, I love what we're going to talk about today. It's very relevant. Hopefully we're kind of exiting this pandemic and into a little bit more normalcy. I like how you just said that. Exiting the pandemic and getting (laughs) back into a little more of normalcy. Because normalcy for some people is chaotic for others. So that's what we're going to really try to help others understand today and go with that. So why don't we give everybody, um, Dr. Sam Bunsen has her own Instagram that you can go follow. Sam, I'll let you say that so I don't get it wrong. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's re- at Rehab for Your Brain, and it's all things um, physical therapy and rehab for neurologic conditions, but I really focus on multiple sclerosis. So it's, yes, a lot of resources there and uh, posts about once a week. Yes, which is amazing. And I love your posts. They're always very inspirational. They help you understand what is going on. And I love that you've been doing the workouts too. Those are really cool. And I love the ones that you have that just kind of like talk about the disease, but really makes you, oops, (laughs) really makes you realize that um, everything's going to be okay. That was my fan that just blew off of my desk. So I guess I'm going to have to sit and cool myself off. All right. Is it hot? I'm sure it's hot in California. It is boiling. So, yes, it is hot. And um, why don't we talk about that? Living with multiple sclerosis, we can't control our body temperatures. So how about you explain to the viewers that don't quite understand that from the medical point of view? Yeah, so a lot of people with multiple sclerosis, as you said, have a heat insensitivity. And it can, when, we're, when our bodies are overly heated, it can kind of cause like an inflammation response to our nerves. Um, so that irritates, you know, almost every symptom we have with multiple sclerosis can be irritated by overheating. 
So what you are, it can make symptoms that you already have worse, or it could be also cause what's called a pseudo exacerbation, which leads to new symptoms that you've never experienced before because your body is kind of overreacting to the temperatures that you're in. So the summer is obviously a time where we experience a lot of heat and sensitivity, um, but also exercise can cause heat and sensitivity. So understanding what to do uh, to avoid heat and sensitivity is really important so you can kind of keep your symptoms managed and avoid those pseudo exacerbations. Yes, so true. And um, I know that today's podcast is sponsored by Thermoparel which makes the best cooling vest ever. And I use it all the time. Sometimes yeah, even <laughs> when I go to lay down to take a nap to give my body a rest, it kind of just regulates my body temperature and it's so comfortable that you can actually sleep on it. So pretty amazing. Yeah, cooling vests are great. It's ironic that they are the sponsors of this podcast. Of this podcast today. <laughs> yes. Um, they're a phenomenal group and they are part of my website um, and also, they are going to be featured in the movie Bobcat Moretti. Very cool. Because of multiple sclerosis and trying to regulate body temperature. So, with that happening, most of the world is in summer mode, except for what, uh, Australia and Australia, yeah, yeah. Um, overseas. So, the body temperatures rise whether it's humid or it's dry weather, or you're even sitting in your home and it's very difficult to control. What other types of advice can you give us to control that body temperature and how to control us from not experiencing and getting stressed out because all of a sudden the temperature is rising and we're starting to panic because we know a flare is gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big advocate for um, people with multiple sclerosis participating in any activity in the summertime. But, you know, being prepared is one of the biggest things you can do and kind of taking notes and taking activities in the summertime as experiences and learning lessons. So just being kind of patient with yourself. Um, if you do go out and experience an, a heat insensitivity or pseudo exacerbation, it's you know, it's not your fault, but there are some things that you could maybe take note of so that you can avoid it next time. So one of the biggest things I recommend is like spending intervals in the sun or in the heat if you are trying to participate in like say a barbecue or something that's in the mm -hmm. middle of the day and it's really hot. So what I mean by that is if you can go inside in the AC and cool down at, at like intervals when you start to feel like you're overheating, um, that's a great piece of advice. Um, hydrating is extremely important, so just mm -hmm. making sure you have plenty of cool water. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and if you're not somewhere where you can go into an, an AC area to cool down, carrying like ice packs with you in like a little cooler and just placing it on like your neck or your face is a really great way to cool down if you're starting to feel those symptoms come on. Yes, I noticed that um, I run for the shade. I love being yeah. in the sun, and I've been training in my pool again, but I have to train in the morning because if I train in the midday, that sun is electrifying. And unfortunately, this past weekend, I got a burn that was like no other, and I have not slept well for the last three days because of a severe sunburn because oh. I was swimming and I wasn't paying attention and that time of day, the reflection of the sun 
to the water to my body was the worst yeah that's yeah that's that's a good piece of advice too though like if you can plan your time outside to be rather mm-hmm. early in the morning or later in the evening or if you can plan to be outside but have it be in the shade and not in direct sun whether that's through an umbrella or just planning out where you're going to be that's uh, important as well so it's a good point exactly exactly so um Let's get to the other things about multiple sclerosis. Summertime eating. There is a lot of barbecues. Everybody wants to get involved. Everyone wants to have that cold beer. Everyone wants to ha- like be normal and kind of like live the summer life. But to most of us living with an autoimmune disease, those certain foods trigger flares. So how, what would you recommend that we do or stay away from? Yeah, I think diet is, uh, it's obviously a hot topic, but it's so difficult to like generalize to everyone with multiple sclerosis. Um, I know some people that are like vegetarians and vegans and those diets work really well for them with Mm -hmm. multiple sclerosis. Then I also, I have a friend who that did not work for at all. And she actually like does better when she eats meat. So, um, I think just experimenting with different diets, like trying different things and again, being patient with yourself. Um, and then no matter what activity or event you're doing, try to stick to the diet that you have found makes you feel the best. So, if it, you know, if that means not eating certain things mm-hmm. um, or bringing your own type of food to an event or barbecue, if you know that that's not going to be available to you, and just kind of like being a good planner, planning ahead, and it can be very inconvenient, but if it makes you feel better at the end of the day, then then it's worth it. It's worth it. I know I travel with my own food sometimes. Um, I'm going to be going on a vacation, and I'm going to be traveling with my. Prevenex because I don't know if they're going to have food that is going to be good for me, but I have to still stay nourished. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think it's good to, to tell someone that's hosting an event, like, I eat, this is kind of what I eat. I don't expect you to have this prepared for me, but I was wondering, like, what you are making so I can know if I can eat what you're providing or if I should bring my own food. And then, you know, I think a lot of people are accommodating and might even say, you know, I wasn't planning on doing that, but I think other people would also enjoy this. So now I'm going to make something for you. So I think it can be hard to have that conversation, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people I think care about what you're doing. And you can even say like, I'm trying something new and this is what I found is helping me. And do you have this available? So yeah. And I love that you just said that, you know, ask the hostess or host, that's putting on the event and if they know you well enough and they know that you're battling certain things, be open and honest with them instead of showing up and then you can't eat anything or you do and then you're in pain and then you're Mm -hmm. down and out. So just say, can I bring some extra food or can I help provide food for you to actually help others experience as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I think, you know, communication is tough for a lot of people, but but it's always, you know, beneficial and can open different doors or maybe maybe something that the host or hostess wasn't thinking about, but right. would probably appreciate knowing. Exactly. So you just said communication is difficult for some most people. Why do you think that is? Because I, I guess when my younger years, I had a hard time standing up for myself. And I had a hard time speaking up for myself. 
And I would just go with the flow and do whatever everybody else wanted. Now that I'm where I am today and all the tragedy and everything that I've been through, I just say what I say and I speak up for myself and others around me. And I think you just have to have control over that. So what do you think is holding people back? What is What can we give them today to help them get to that point? I think like the biggest key is personal confidence and it can be really hard to be comfortable in your own diagnosis and be comfortable with your own body and understanding what works for you and what doesn't. But once you get to that point and you feel confident and comfortable sharing that with other people, then you become a good communicator in turn. So I, I honestly think that it's personal confidence and, and pers- comfort in your body that is where people struggle because if you don't have that piece, then you're not going to be able to communicate your needs very well. That's very true. So that, that was a really key sentence. Confident within your own self and your body. Um, we live in a world of body image. It's always been that way since man started drawing and pictures were pretty, you know, put on cave walls and then this was supposed to be the elite and then you know we get to the castles and it just like I can't say the word evaluate evaluate uh, help me out Sam Evolve. evolving um evolving in the world today is still pre- exactly the way it was centuries ago so learning to be confident within yourself and living with an autoimmune disease are two very difficult things yes and it's hard you can't teach it you you can speak it and teach it but it has to come from within and i find that when i'm coaching or helping somebody understand that you're the best you ever are because you're you you're the only you in the world so why are we comparing ourselves to others? Because our MSers, we don't compare our lesions to another MS patient because we're all completely different. Mm-hmm. But we all have amazing strategies and ways to overcome. So if you put it in that perspective of overcoming, why are we not teaching us at the young age of confidence and than putting us in a situation that we're not confident, but we need to learn to stand up. So if you have a new patient that comes into you, Sam, Dr. Benson, and they're like, you know what, I'm just, I'm not comfortable telling people I have multiple sclerosis. I feel like I'm going to get judged. How do you help them find their confidence? Um, yeah, that's that's tough. And I, I don't think everybody has to share, um, but I do think that most people have to like I don't know get more comfortable with it themselves and learn more about it before they can maybe feel confident comfortable enough sharing it with other people um, I know a lot of people who who have been very personal with their MS experience and like kind of scared to share with the people at work because they don't want to mm-hmm. be you know they don't want to be seen in a different way or a different light um, so I think it, it just you know it's, it's little steps especially for those people that are newly diagnosed I mean you have to kind of get an understanding of it yourself and kind of get yourself on the right path to help you before you can really start to share that experience with everyone else. So I just always kind of bring it into just learning to get comfortable with it yourself. And then eventually you probably will get 
comfortable and confident enough to start expressing that those feelings and what you've learned with other people. Exactly. And I think that that also, it, you can portray that in any person's life, actually. You can really learn the confidence of whatever is going on. You could be the healthiest person in the world and not be confident within yourself yeah. or comfortable with just being open and speaking your mind. And I think that coming out of this pandemic, a lot of us are afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. and really yeah. say what our truth is and how we feel about how we were all in a major lockdown for over almost two years. And now we're starting to step back outside and we're finding our new normal. So with that being said, how do we help everybody in the world, you as a doctor, um, with working with special patients of multiple sclerosis and other patients, how would you guide us to learn the new way of living, but also understand that you are yourself and you have to stand up? Yeah, that's a great point. I think I, I'm really trying to have people focus on like maybe one or a couple of good things that came from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that you know, there's, we, especially in the MS community and people with neurologic conditions, there's so many more, there's so much more accessibility for us now. And I think that, that we were headed in that direction, but the pandemic really kind of like forced us to start being more creative with communicating and connecting in more accessible ways. So I think that's, you know, one of the really positive things that came from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, as we are exiting that and trying to start be like out there more and a little bit more social, I think, I think what's just coming up with conversations and things to talk about that maybe aren't involved in the pandemic anymore, you know, right? I think trying to like, yes, it's, I think it's, it's what everyone kind of, it's all we think about and all we do right now, but um, trying to start to like exit that and, and start to be more positive about like experiences that you're able to do again because because things are opening back up and we're getting more um, getting more access freedom. to these things that have been so limited. <laughs> exactly, know? we're getting our our freedom back, our rights, yeah. our ability to get in a car, go for a bike ride, uh, go surfing, um, hiking, whatever you want to do, and really living our lives again, but understanding your own self and your own body and your own immune system is key mm-hmm. to getting yeah. your life back again and yeah. not being afraid to step outside. Um, right. yeah, and I, th- I think it's like a baby step saying like, you know, people, so the people that have been lo- like in very strict lockdown this entire time, I don't recommend just like jumping back in there um because it can be a little bit overwhelming and a little bit scary because we've been we've been nervous to go out and especially if you have an autoimmune disease it's you know you you were very nervous to go out so i i think it's just doing little things like getting getting going outside to start and Mm -hmm. then maybe like going to the grocery store and if you if you feel comfortable wearing a mask if that makes you feel better and makes you then wear it do these things then absolutely do it you Mm -hmm. know so i just I don't know. It's kind of, it's like along the lines of what we were saying too. It's, you know, if do what makes you feel comfortable and happy, um, you know, as long as you're, you're, you're doing what you can to stay safe and keep your community safe. So I think, 
little little steps baby steps but we're getting there we're getting there yeah um right before I told you I had to run errands before we were going to be doing our podcast today so I was out running my errands and I don't wear my mask at all unless I'm going into an environment that requires my mask and I went into one store and I'm not going to say what it was but they don't require the mask anymore so I was super happy. I did not have it on and I had someone, I was backing up my cart and I accidentally bumped into someone behind me and I'm like, I'm so sorry. And then when we, she turned and we caught each other's eyes, she still had her mask on and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't be sorry. It was my fault. I apologize. Don't worry. And she's like, you don't have your mask on. I'm like, I'm okay. And I'm like, you're okay because you have your mask on. So I don't need to worry about you and I'm okay. And I don't worry about people not having their mask on. So it's great. I hope you have a fabulous day and I'm sorry for bumping into you. And she was like from tense to ah, like the more that I talked, she just became much more relaxed. And the funny thing was when I was leaving and checking out, she had a mask off. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I think some pe- sometimes it's um, people, mm-hmm. people seeing other people do things, and then they, you know, they start to get like more confident, comfortable about it. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, I think like what this, like what the CDC is recommending, and kind of like even in Philadelphia right now, things are almost fully open back up, and yeah. I think uh, people are starting to get more comfortable and confident. So it's it's good to see. Um, I hope it continues this way, and I know like the summer weather helps because we're not all stuck in doors together. Exactly. So the the thing is, is confident. If you feel more confident wearing it, then wear it. If you feel confident in your own immune system because you know you are doing everything that is the best thing for you and you don't want to wear it, then don't. But don't judge. Don't push the pressure on each other. Let's become one again. Let's become the great nation that we are. Let's become the great world that we have to live in and to work with each other and move forward without the fear. Like fear causes so much damage to the human body. So can we talk about fear? And it doesn't, we can relate it to multiple sclerosis. We can relate it to parenthood. We can relate it to the elderly. We can relate it to someone going through, you know, chemotherapy, you name it. We have been in fear for two years. Coming out of that and going back into the way the world is moving forward and you have to protect yourself, but fear is a major component of making a disease blow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, I think psychologists are a little bit like, well, hopefully, I think people are starting to go see more psychologists, but I, I know growing up, it was something that was kind of like, if you see a psychologist, then something's wrong with you. But I think we're starting to get more people that are comfortable seeing a psychologist if they are recognizing that fear is getting in the way of, of their life. So I, you know, I'm, I'm always, if, if I notice that I'm talking to someone and they're very, you know, very fearful and very uncomfortable, I think that's always a good, a good recommendation. It never hurts to talk to someone that's, you know, a professional that you can trust. Um, you know, exactly. if, you, if you have someone in your life that you feel confident and comfortable talking to and you mm-hmm. trust their advice, then, then, you know, that's a, well, a good way to get past that is to talk it out. Um, and then, but then if that's not available to you or if working with a psychologist might help, that's always, I think always a good idea. 
Exactly. I mean, I I have a psychiatrist. I have a psychologist. I, I have both. Yeah. Um, and there have been parts of my life where I've had to see both. And um, then with my neurologist, um, she's very in tuned to what is going on with me. And I keep her informed constantly where she is always running blood work on me to make sure my serotonin levels are proper, where do we need to adjust what's going on, and why why is your cortisol level so high? And I was like, I don't I don't know. What do you mean my cortisol levels are high? And she goes, they're through the roof, Domery. And I'm like, oh, well, what causes that? She goes, stress and fear. I'm like, well, I'm not fearful, but I guess I got a lot on my plate right now. Yes, and they figured out I wasn't making vitamin D, vitamin B. I had enough vitamin D and all of my other supplements, but vitamin B, I was not producing, which actually helps, which I did not know, helps you with your cortisol levels and your stress. Why don't we know that? Or am I the only one that just didn't know that? No, I think a lot of people don't know that, but yeah, there's there's a million. I think what's hard is there's too there's too much out there. There's too many vitamins, too many like supplements, too many hormones and things. It's hard to keep track of. But I think you know that's that's why those regular checkups with your general practitioner and your neurologist are so mm-hmm. important. They they find things that I don't know how we would ever possibly know we're low unless we got our regular checkups. Right, and um, this was actually um, I do a huge blood panel constantly every six months. Um, with not my neurologist, my, um, I guess you can call it my naturopathic doctor that does it. And it's like three pages long, literally three pages long. And they, and my levels go from here to normal to here to semi-normal to whoa. And I, I believe it's because I have multiple sclerosis, but I'm constantly taking all the supplements the same way, but it's the it's the way that we handle anxiety and stress. Yeah. Even when you happy. don't think you're stressed, your body's actually stressing. So yeah. how can you help us learn to control that? Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, as a physical therapist, I'm obviously a huge advocate for exercise. But we can we can release so many natural, um, you know, feel-good hormones through exercise. Um, even if, you know, exercise isn't something that you – that is traditional, like a, a, in a gym or in a formal setting, like walking can help release some mm-hmm. of these fantastic hormones. So the, just little ways of getting out there and exercising. Um, and then the second big thing is – breathing like taking deep breaths it's amazing what a few deep breaths every couple hours can do to help lower your stress levels and kind of get your mindset back into a a place where you can focus more and Mm -hmm. kind of calm your body calm your system down yes so would you recommend you know as a doctor to your patients um because the typical blood work today when you go to see your normal doctor your normal family practitioner your blood work is very limited. It's it's very basic. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only other way you can do it, and unfortunately it's an expensive way of doing it, but I'm really hoping that somehow between Domery Healthy and Fit, Dr. Sam Benson, and everybody else on my team, and moving forward, we can actually get the government to change that every person has to have a massive blood panel done every year to try to keep the risk of heart disease, the risk of 
more autoimmune diseases compiling a bunch on each other, the risk of cancer, the risk of all of these things that is so simply solved by blood work. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be fantastic. There's, you know, there's so many things that we could catch early on if we, you know, if we rather go to the physician regularly, but there's even, you know, signs of like a thyroid issue that you might not think to mention to your physician and they might not ask that. So it's, there's so many things that could be prevented or caught early if, um, if, if we had tests like that. So I think that would be, that's a huge flaw in our, in our healthcare system. It is. So where do we start? How, you know, I'm going to like pick your brain on the other side of this podcast and where do we start? How do we get moving? And how do we get this to become part of our yearly checkup? It's kind of like the thing of, you know, everyone puts the dentist off, but we got to go have our teeth cleaned. Everyone, but everyone seems to get their hair cut on time. But why are we not focusing on what is actually going on? inside our own body by doing yeah. a major blood panel, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think I think a big part of it is the fee, like fear of, of physicians and fear of going to the doctor for, for a lot of people. Also, it's the expense for there's so many people uninsured and underinsured. And, um, exactly. And I think this should actually be something that is given to all of us as a healthcare provider or once a year, it's like a teeth cleaning. You get your teeth cleaned twice a year for free. Why are we not getting blood work done for free? Yeah, it's you know, it's a it is a it's a huge flaw in our healthcare system. Um, so, you know, preventative care is not focused enough. We don't focus enough on preventative care, mm-hmm. and in turn, we're paying like billions of of taxpayer dollars a year for diseases and conditions that could have been prevented. Um, so it, it is something I think that we're we're going towards um, and one of the best things we can do is just to continue to advocate. So, you know, I have a, my big thing that I'm advocating for is preventative rehab for multiple sclerosis to try to help, you know, prehabilitate our bodies and prevent certain conditions. So that's my focus right now. Um, But I I love that there's, you know, the other people that are really interested in this topic and want to work towards coming up with multiple ways of identifying and preventing care through medical treatment. Exactly. And that's what your Instagram is all about. So how about we talk about that for a little while? So you're all about preventative care as soon as you're diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So the fear, the anxiety, the medication, the stress on the body, where's your blood work? What's going on? Let's prevent everything from further going deeper into the diagnosis of becoming from relapsing remitting to secondary progressive which is me and then I never mention the third one because I don't want that in my brain and I don't want any of us to get to that point mm-hmm. so on in, on your Instagram you talk about it a lot and you post about these uh, uh, like I love your graphics by the way um, of how you write about it and how you give such in-depth detail that is so important that all MSers really need to know. Yeah, yeah, and that's what my, you know, I'm writing the, the book that, that you're helping me with um, called Breakthrough Multiple Sclerosis, mm-hmm. and that's that's my goal is this, the book shares a lot of information on the symptoms that can that you can get from multiple sclerosis and then what, to, what you can do about it. So uh, I think right now until we can get 
more access to these tests, mm-hmm. the best thing we can do to be a pre- to prevent you know further illness is be advocates for our own our own body. And the best way you can do that is to learn as much as you can about multiple sclerosis. So this book is going to detail like every symptom you can get from multiple sclerosis, and then start to go into detail about what what you can do to try to work through it and prevent or prehabilitate your body. Yeah, and I like the word prehabilitate your body because we're going to be living with it for the rest of our lives. There is no cure. Once the damage is done within the the brain itself uh, from the myelin sheath being completely eaten alive, basically, from our own white blood cells, and I, and I like to put it in that format so people kind of understand because it's very hard to say, well, my own body's eating my brain. But it actually is. It's our own white blood cells not protecting the rest. It protects the rest of us, but it just breaks that blood-brain barrier and goes up in there and they have a grand old time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, so uh, yeah. from a doctor's it's point fine. of view, I will have you explain that the medically, the <laughs> medical way of what happens. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. The blood-brain barrier is really interesting, but so normally the blood-brain barrier is like this kind of this protective coating around our brain that like certain cells aren't aren't supposed to be able to get past. But in multiple sclerosis, some immune cells can go past the blood-brain barrier, start to attack your myelin and do what's called demyelination. Um, so that's that's where we get the symptom from in multiple sclerosis. So when demyelination occurs in multiple areas, it creates these lesions that you can then see on an MRI. Um, so that's, you know, if, if demyelination occurs to say the optic nerve, which is really common, um, then you'll get, you can get optic neuritis, which is commonly one of the first symptoms in multiple sclerosis. So yeah, that was yours too. That was one of my first symptoms. I kept losing my eyesight. I'm like, well, what is wrong with me? I went to the eye doctor. They're like, you have 20-20 vision. You're fine. No one ever seemed to question it. But yeah. yes, and I still lose my eyesight today. And now it's happening in both eyes, which I really do not like. So it's a bit scary, but I've learned to not panic and to close my eyes when that's happening and focus on the meditation of breathing, relaxing, putting on music that's going to calm my brain down so they're not having a party up there and eating in that crater of wherever controls the optic nerve of whatever part of the brain it's on and to get it to stop. So I think, like you said, pre-rehabilitation is so important to understand. Like if your arm is going numb, that's the particular part of your brain where the lesion is. Mm -hmm. You need to start focusing on the left side of your brain. Or if it's the left side, you need to start doing things to help the right side. It's kind of like tricking the brain to stop attacking you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can can kind of you can rewire your brain and have other parts of your brain take responsibility for the part that has the lesion and that's that's a big part of neuroplasticity which i talk a lot of uh, talk a lot about and i love neuroplasticity i think that topic by itself got me interested in neurological rehab so um but yeah you can your brain is is incredible and you know it is flawed sometimes like with multiple sclerosis Mm -hmm. and allows things to happen that shouldn't but then it has also has a system that allows it to fight back and try to regain some of the things that you've lost by damage exactly so So can you explain some more to our viewers that have never heard about rehabilitation 
plus I can't remember the word I'm neuroplasticity thank you very much neuroplasticity and moving forward and how you help your patients understand this yeah so so yeah so neuroplasticity is is kind of it's a neural network connection in our brain and it is like like i said it it's like rewiring i think is the easiest way to explain it Mm -hmm. so if there's a lesion to say a part of the brain that as you mentioned causes or contributes to the sensation in our right arm we can do certain tasks to try to have other parts of our brain learn that responsibility so that we can make improvements in the sensation in our arm Mm -hmm. um you know it's not it's not a perfect system but it it, you know sometimes it completely helps the problem and another part of the brain completely learns how to do that so you don't have that symptom anymore but a lot of the times it just it improves it but not fully but at least it's a it's a meaningful change that gets gets you more comfort back and more function Yes, exactly. And it, it, it truly works. And I never really realized it until the more in-depth studies I did for myself. So my doctor taught me how to take my disc from my brain MRIs and put it into my computer. And she literally showed me like, okay, so this part is this part of the brain. This is what's going to happen if you have lesions here on the right side. If you have lesions here, this is what's going to happen. And I not that I look forward to a brain MRI every year or getting more radiation in me, but I love knowing that there hasn't been a change in two years. The only thing I did not like knowing was it's permanent. So where I am at today is permanent, but the best part is what we're talking about right now, retraining the parts of the brain that hasn't been used, like a new GPS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, our brain is like, it's a, it's a map and, you know, like there's a certain section of the brain that's responsible for this little task and like the frontal part of our brain is our emotion and our personality and things like that. So wherever the lesion is in the brain, it's going to cause a symptom that, res- that correlates to what the, that function of the brain is. But yeah, like I said, like the other areas that can take over and mm-hmm. I know it's just fascinating. I one of, my, one of the big things I want to advocate for too is just getting other people excited about learning about the brain and like learning about the rehab potential and possibilities because it truly is fascinating. <laughs> it really so is. And yeah. I think we talked about it in our first podcast together that most of us don't even use 10% of our brain. And right. our brains are huge. And they're, they're, it's a living computer when you really think about it and we can retrain our brain to do so many things but we're not taught to think that way so with what you do and what you bring to the table is so valuable for us any of us in the world even like I said even if you're normal or I I'm normal in my own life I have multiple sclerosis and I have colitis and I didn't even know those two were connected by the way or Crohn's disease. I had no idea those were connected until today. Wow. Because yeah. of the lesions in our brain. Right, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's almost like when you get diagnosed, instead of just the diagnosis and you're dealing with the types of an MSR that you are, and multiple sclerosis put up a post today that was probably one of the best posts I think I've ever seen, and I printed it because I knew we were gonna be talking about this. And so it is, what type of MSR are you? Right? Did you see this? I love that. Oh my gosh. So are you the 
um, advocate? Are you the denier? Are you the um, acceptor, the information bringer, or the angry one? Well, you know what? When we're diagnosed with anything in life, you are all of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're all of those at some point in your diagnosis, you know, whether you accept that or whether you realize it or not. Right. So then you have to choose do I want to continue to stay angry? If I stay angry, I'm feeding the beast. I'm not going to produce serotonin. And this is a key thing that a lot of MSers don't understand. Why are our neurologists, I mean, my neurologist taught me all of this, but there's a lot of people I speak to that they're like, I was never told that. But you teaching and and rehabbing tell your patients all of these key functions that we need to live a healthy life with this. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, I think, you know, I just can't stress that enough, like how important it is to learn about the diagnosis and learn what you can do about it because we, we have to be our own advocate. And I, I was talking to a good friend um, today that has MS and she told me that I was asking her, I was like, what's something that you, that you found or that you have discovered that you wish you knew when you were first diagnosed with MS? And she said that, she, you know, she thought her neurologist and her healthcare team were her, her, like, were her cheerleaders and her team captain, but she said, I have realized that I am my team captain and I am responsible for knowing what as much as I can about my disease and that the people that are part of my team, I decide, I decide to have them there or not. And, but I also need to understand what each of their, what each of their roles are, you know, cause there's so many like people, you know, when you get diagnosed, like a neurologist is an obvious person that you are going to have to talk to, but then there are social workers and occupational therapists and physical mm-hmm. therapists and speech therapists and all these people that are professionals and know a lot about specific little parts of life. Um, that can help you more than like the neurologist is you know focused on neurology and the brain and medication and that's not always what you who you should go to for every question so I, I loved that and I thought that was kind of along the lines of what you were just talking about I love that oh my god speaking of my neurologist she's calling me right now <laughs> seriously she's calling me right now shoot <laughs> That was like right on cue. Oh my gosh. I want to answer, but I can't. Damn. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was funny. Like she, her ears, her ears are burning. Her ears yeah. are burning. Um, so I think that, you know, we all get a pamphlet and we all get a pamphlet of interferon drugs. And then we all get, you know, the report of telling us what we have. I also think that we should be given, you know, places that we can go to. It's almost like a guidebook to now retraining your thought process, retraining your life, retraining how you perceive yourself and how the family family perceives you having an illness. And this doesn't just stick with multiple sclerosis. You are a doctor. You could actually help any of us at any given time with retraining the brain. And that is so important. And I love that you're writing this book because this is a book. It's almost like a hand guide to helping everybody understand we are all equal. We are all one. We are all so important to what we bring to the table whether it is a disease or not, or information, 
that is valuable or information of a study that you are a part of that got you to the next step. But it's all about the communication, which we talked about in the very beginning, and being honest about that communication with your doctor. And when your doctor says, well, I really think you should be doing this, you have to either trust that doctor, and if you don't, then you need to be your best advocate to go find the other doctors that you need, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like what you said about, you know, I, I think of retraining the brain a lot, but you said you have to retrain your life, and that's so true. You mm-hmm. get When you get multiple sclerosis, almost every aspect of your life has changed, and, you know, from leaving the door isn't as easy because you have to think about so many more things now, and, you know, taking a shower isn't easy anymore because you have to conserve your energy, and it's literally your entire life has to be retrained, and um, it's, it's a huge learning process, but I love that you said that. That's very, very true it is really true and I did not understand that when I first got diagnosed I did not understand that you know I I could still do everything I was doing but why was I so exhausted I wasn't doing anything different well for every footstep we take is 10 to 12 maybe a hundred compared to a normal person without autoimmune of any sort to the difference of each other, but we all look the same. But within our brain, our brain is really controlling what we can and cannot do, and that is a very difficult thing to understand and learn. Mm-hmm. But we're not given those packages. Right, yeah, you have to, it's almost like you get thrown into thrown into this new life that you have to kind of figure it out as you go, and that's so difficult. <laughs> It's very difficult, and I think that that's where your book is going to come in handy and where your valuability of what you do and how you work with your clients is so important because, I mean, you're dealing with your own health, but now you're dealing with thousands of patients that are completely different from each other that may or may not have the same disease. You probably, I know you specialize in multiple sclerosis, but you also could take on someone with fibromyalgia or someone with lupus or someone with, you know, diabetic, you know, diabetes. Diabetes is a horrible disease and it totally strips you from everything in your life. My mother is a, the highest diabetic there is. The amount of shots she gives herself in a day is absolutely insane. So, yeah. It, it's just, I never want to always have my podcast to be about MS. It, my world will always be about MS, but I always like to evaluate and bring the other diseases into play because yeah, absolutely. we're all... I think all you can like, apply everything we're talking about to, to any of them. Different. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, someone who just went through chemotherapy is going through all of these stages. Someone who is just diagnosed with heart disease is going through all of these stages. Someone who is dealing with polar bipolar you know, symptoms is going through these stages. This was such an impactful post for me today that I was just like, I'm printing it. I think I'm even gonna frame it and put it in my office because that is the human body and that is what we face every single day. Every day we go through all of these emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know that's uh, it's kind of reminds me of in, I took a psychology course and 
um, when I was getting my degree and they talk a lot about like the stages of grief and like those you go through all these different stages and you know I talk about how sometimes it's not like when I read that I thought you kind of went through this stage and then this stage was over and you entered a new stage and then you kind of went through this progression and then when I dealt with my own personal like a different grief personally I realized that it's 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 like you're dealing with all of them almost at the same time sometimes or it's you go back and forth through these different phases and it's Mm -hmm. not like a linear like get through this one and then you go on to the next one it's all it's up and down in a roller coaster and you go through so many different stages of your life in in rapid succession sometimes right and I think that all of these stages of what I have like held up several times is so important that I think we all need to put it on our social media because (laughs) in today's world this is what we're going to be dealing with moving forward and we need to understand how to have the successes within these stages of life yeah you know we're talking about leaving the exiting the pandemic and we're we're going through all of these stages right now too just from re-entering normalcy right it's like being a up in space and now you're coming back down through the earth atmosphere and you have to your body is like going through oh my god I've been living in space for all this long and now I'm coming back down into earth and then all of a sudden you're stepping back down on the ground and you're not floating anymore that's a huge adjustment Mm -hmm. so that's (laughs) kind of like what we're dealing with today Mm mm-hmm it's yeah, like, anyway. <laughs> right? I when think, you kind yeah, of think absolutely. about it and <laughs> yeah. normal terms of being locked in a world and then now we're coming back down into the existing world and our feet are touching the ground again and we're out. And it's kind of like, oh, God, wow, oh, wow. And no wonder why my cortisol levels were through the roof. But I had no idea they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think a big thing that along those lines of what you were just saying is we have to take it, it's so much easier to take it one day at a time than think about where we're going to be a week from now or a month from now. Just kind of like when you get overwhelmed, start stop focusing on the future and just kind of hone in on the present and what are you doing today and what do you need to do to prepare for your day today? You know, that's, it's so much easier to digest that than oh, I have to go back to work and go work in an environment and I'm, I have these events and all these things and that it can just be easily overwhelming to think about life and a whole as a whole big picture for re-entering society versus just trying to focus in on today and, and what we can do to get through today when you're overwhelmed exactly and you know I mean it's difficult for me to really try to explain all of that and how I find myself you know, living in a different world than so many other people. But I think it's because I lived in a world of fear for 20 years, thinking I was being haunted, thinking I was going crazy, thinking I was, you know, was I making it up? Was was it all not real? And the day of the validation was probably one of the best days of my life because I finally was like validated. There was truly something wrong with me. Then it was two years of learning about the disease. It wasn't an overnight learn. And since then, it's been an everyday learning of Mm -hmm. the disease and of me. Because 
I mean, through the pandemic, I'm like, what am I going to do? Oh my God, what am I going to do? How do I, how do you build a business while you're in lockdown? Well, guess what? I did it. And I launched the podcast. How do I get out to people that I will never be able to touch because of what we're going through? Well, guess what? Here we are today, almost a year later. I adapted. I had to learn to adapt and where to move forward. And then I had to learn who I was being locked in a home. How am I going to continue to be happy if I can't go do anything I want to? Right. Which we all had to learn. And a lot of us are still dealing with that complication. So, Dr. Sam Benson, how do you help that person today? How can we get them to get to you and to understand that it's okay to feel that way, but you have so many ways to help them? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just love the taking things one step at a time, trying to like identify a good community and a good sense of support and good resources. Um, you know, mm-hmm. taking taking life like in strides and just when you get diagnosed with something new, there is a ridiculous amount of information out there, um, and there's no way you can be expected to process all of that. So just start with something small that is this tangible for you to focus on today or what's the most important thing that you want to get done today and just that is such a bigger or easier bite to chew than the big picture of all of the unknowns and the information that you know you're getting like do this diet no that diet is no good do this diet you know it's, it's so much information and just trying one little thing at a time um writing out maybe like writing out your goals and just tackling one of them at a time is is one of the best ways to try to kind of tackle all of that stress and anxiety. Yeah, and it it's hard. It's very hard. It's hard. I was actually on my own podcast, but I was being interviewed by, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to, yesterday, it was like a surprise podcast, um, Thriving oh. Over Surviving Podcast, and she says to me, I, please explain how you stay happy every day. And I said, well, one, I'm on Cymbalta. And <laughs> I have been on Cymbalta since the year after I got diagnosed when we realized I was not producing serotonin. And Cymbalta was actually not a drug for multiple sclerosis. It was a drug that was, as you know, was actually made for cancer patients and heart disease to help the people with the depression and the pain. Mm-hmm. Well, when my doctor put me on that, my symptoms started to get better and my personality started to come back. And I wasn't in that depressed mode all the time. So, yeah, yeah. chemically, I have to take three magic pills every day, which is 90 milligrams of Cymbalta. And then I have to surround myself through a bunch of colors and happy things that I love and the music and just taking a moment outside and watch a bird or (laughs) you know take a moment and just look at my puppy and he just looks at me like I just love you and you know it there's so many things around us that can take that fear away and can help us get the serotonin but serotonin is so key as well as the inflammation within our body like we have to control both yeah, we don't. I like what you said about surrounding yourself, like what you surround yourself with and who you surround yourself with has, like, I think more of an emotional impact on us than we realize. 
if you know joy and happiness is so contagious then you can when you're around people that are happy it's hard not to feel happy yourself you know but Mm -hmm. when you're around someone who's not happy it's 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 easy to take in those emotions as well yeah and i think that we are all a bit i don't want to say we're psychic but we are all within ourselves a sponge of what is around us yeah Definitely. Right? So I, I took, I literally took over the entire upstairs when my children went away to Paris. The day after they left, I took everything that was boyish or anything that was not me and I packed it away. And then I created my own studio up here and all the colors in this room are like my poster and they're very surreal and soft and calming to me. And I had to surround myself in an environment that was peaceful, that was magical to me. But these are my colors. It doesn't mean that these colors and how I worked my world is going to work for your world. So you have to find out the best way to do it is to actually go to Home Depot and get a color color wheel. And yeah, like good, yeah. open it up like a fan. And if you're having a hot flash, just flash yourself with a fan right there. <laughs> right? And then yeah. what are those it's colors and that massive band of colors? What are they doing to you? What what is the color saying to you? And then when you're outdoors, what are you gravitating to? Are you gravitating yeah, to a certain color? Do you drive a certain color car? Do you have a certain color in your home? Do you like and also in your closet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have like blues and greens everywhere. <laughs> so I, that must make me happy. Yeah, my house is all downstairs is blue, green, sand, and pure white. Love that. And then, you know, the pillows and the furniture are white and blue. Um, um, my kitchen is all stark white except for one island, and it's like a really pretty gray. But... Um, yeah, I wanted my office to be completely opposite of the rest of part of my home. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, there's like there are people that study colors, and it's it's interesting how colors have create different emotions. Like I know red and yellow are hunger, like colors that make you hungry. And like look at all the fast food chains that have red and yellow as their as their colors. That you know, like McDonald's and Wendy's and like all these different places. They're mm-hmm. they, they're so their marketing is so smart. They know what to go for, but just like those make us hungry, there are some that make us happy and some that make us sad. And I think that's uh, something that I should look into more. It's, it's an Color, yes. right? And <laughs> yes, think about it. Think about the last time you saw a rainbow. When we're little, you know, I remember reading this book about bunnies and rainbows. And mommy, why is the color yellow so yellow? And the, like the rabbit would talk about the yellow is the brightness and the warmth of the sun. So when we really think about color, why are we not teaching ourselves to surround ourselves with those particular colors of freedom and of growth, new life, or memories from a childhood or memories from your past love or your future love or where you're going? But color is a huge thing about life. Yeah, and it's actually, and it can be an easy switch, like an easy change. You can change 
your the cover of your phone to be a color that makes you feel happy and then you know we how often do we see that you know right um, or our, our bed to something a color that helps us sleep better and there's just so many ways to use the our environment to help us create the emotion that we're looking for right so this i'm going to ask you this question i'm going to let you answer it because i've asked myself this question a thousand times i've written about <laughs> it i've written down about it i've spoken about it but if you take twins okay identical twins male or female and you have one room that is stark white everything in there is pure white and you have another room that is dark gray and all of the furniture and everything in there is gray but they both have the same amount of outside light coming in from yes, that point on their personalities change and when you switch it from one month to the month and you keep a diary of what's happening the science behind that is what i want to know so yeah, like <laughs> tell me how can you do that in a study to really understand the human mind with color yeah i think i think that is interesting i think yeah, i think I know, I know they've done, they have done studies somewhat similar where they'll have someone sleep in a room that is like dark colors and like dark, like comfortable, cozy colors. And then they'll have someone else sleep in a room that has like very bright colors and like very like kind of like loud colors. And they'll, they'll do sleep studies. Um, and I've seen, I've seen studies like that. But I, I'm very curious about what you're talking about and how, how just being surrounded in rooms where there's certain colors, how that can affect your mood. And you know, like sunlight is a big thing too. Like what you were saying, um, yeah. sunlight has a huge impact on our mood. And people that work in like offices that have like no windows, like I know I used to, and I just remember feeling like so drained. Like I was like working underground all the time, and it was like right? I hardly ever saw the sunlight. So yeah, that's that's a really interesting interesting point. I'll have to look into how a study could be done on that. I like. I, I really think a study needs to be done on that. And then you need to take a male and a female of the same age from a different family and do the same study. But it really needs to be like a very giant location of the same rooms, identical in every sort, but the colors change. And what happens to the particular person in the study from each month of changing to the colors. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if that would be. In a, I don't know, but if there is, let me know because I want to be a part of that study with you because <laughs> I really think that is going to show more insight to the human brain than we've ever seen before. Yeah, I would love to see that. I will. I'm going to look into it when we're done talking, and then I will let you know if I find anything. If yeah, not, we'll, we'll, we need to contact some researchers and get get on this. Let's get on this and <laughs> pair up and do a book on the entire study, and maybe we do a study on our own. You never know. Yeah, right. I just I think because like when when we start to think outside the box and we stop stop looking at what has been done that may not be working, you have to think what can we do to make it work. So yeah. why not study color? Yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits. We've already mentioned a bunch of them. I think that's that's a great topic. We yeah, we got to we, we got to study color, and okay. I think that that can cure a lot of issues in the world. Think about the last time you saw the most beautiful photo that someone put on Instagram, and it was a field of flowers and colors. Did you not smile? 
Oh yeah, you have to. It's right? <laughs> and then, then someone posts a picture of black and white. Your mood changed. Mm-hmm. It is an amazing gift and we are surrounded by color. We are, yes. Yeah, I wonder, you know, I wonder if there's studies on someone who became like colorblind and like what, how that affected their mood and change and things. I'm sure that, I'm sure there are. This is a really fascinating topic. I'm going to dive into it. We got to dive into this, you know, and <laughs> I, I, well, I've been asking myself the question, like, how do you do a study on this? But I know that when I'm in a dark room and I'm listening to happy music, I'm not the same person. Yeah. And I'm not and I and I have been tested. I don't have a split personality and I and I'm and I'm not bipolar, but the surroundings really affect me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you could be you could probably do the study I was thinking like in a workplace. I think that would be mm-hmm. one of the best places to do it or where someone's working and I know that, I think you know what they have done tests like that where they look at people's productivity based on like the environment that they're in and it does show like certain changes to your environment I think color and lighting are some of them and like making sure that it's clean and organized like people that are in those environments are more productive so I'm sure there are similarities in a lot of other aspects of life yeah right it's just the brain is so fascinating no wonder why you got into this and I know right there's like endless possibilities so many endless possibilities and I love the fact that I know I can keep retraining my brain Yes, it's the best. It's the it's the best thing that uh, the best most positive thing I think about brain injury is that you know and is how fascinating the brain is and how it can fight to to recover some of the things that you've lost. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, I do want do want to say too though that I'm reading your book, um, Finding the Sun Through the Clouds. We are um, we have very similar music tastes. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, right that. You. Um, you said you used to like Queen when you were young. I did. I loved I listening love Queen. to Queen. And Me too. You know, I haven't listened to Queen in a while. I think I'm going to have to go put my roof down and put my sunglasses on and blast some Queen music and moving <laughs> forward. But even when I was younger, I was sick, as you read in the book. I, I literally have been drugged my entire life from the day I was born to today. And I don't mean it in a way of... I was using drugs. That is not what I mean. What I mean is I was born a very unhealthy child. And it continued throughout my life. So now that I understand what my DNA is, I focus on what I can be and what I can continue to do to move better in my life, which helps me in every other aspect of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Mindset is, is important. Um, yeah, you've, you've definitely done a lot with the cards that you were dealt and kind of overcome a lot of obstacles and challenges. And I think that's, and it's not easy, but it's not easy. And you know, uh, and I've shared with you and I'm very open about this because I think it needs to be an open subject and you've heard me talk about it in multiple podcasts. Um, where I had to go on interfere on drugs. My lesions were getting worse and, I will never repeat the drug. It's between me and my doctor. But for the year that I was on it, I gained 55 pounds of pure water inflammation within my body. I became completely suicidal and I tried to take my life. Yeah. When I thought everything was going well and then this drug completely changed everything I was. And then coming... 
thank God. I, I, I swear, thank God for the iPhone. I left the goodbye message. And when I think about it, it's really hard, but I've kept that message for a reason. I left the goodbye message. And I never knew the magic of the iPhone to the cloud or whatever that magic thing is up there in the world where we store all of our computer stuff. That message went to this iPad that we're talking on. Oh, wow. And it lit up. And then it woke my husband up. And when he saw what the message was and saw what I had done, he found me and saved my life. And from that moment on, I have been doing more and more studies on how do we surround ourselves with the things that give us the natural serotonin? How do we speak to others and be honest with our own demons and truth? And we're not crazy. Most of the time, it's because it's a drug interaction. Yeah. No, yeah, your story gave me the chills. Um, you know, I think, you know, and it took me, yeah. it literally took me another two years to recover from that, but I'm not ashamed of it. And no. my life turned around. And since that moment, I realized I have been through hell and high water and I'm going to take any mountain that comes at me, any more stumbles that come through me. And I'm going to yeah. brace it with love and keep moving forward, and I'm not going to stay as the angry one. Yes, That's gone. Me. I'm going to yeah. get mad. Oh, believe me, I'm <laughs> going to get mad. But I'm not going to stay as the angry one, and I think that's what we all need to truly understand. Yeah, I think that's such a powerful realization that not everybody has, and I have felt you know, really like low lows in my life too, but realizing that we can overcome obstacles and that we are powerful enough to – kind of control the direction of our life. And if we're not happy with something, we have the ability to change it. I think that is an important message that, I don't know, maybe we, we don't, not everyone has, but everyone has the possibility and capability of learning. Exactly. And you know what I didn't do? I never questioned my neurologist to say, I'm, I'm gaining weight and I'm not doing anything different. I'm feeling more and more depressed every day. I don't understand what's wrong with me. I let my life ride and that drug almost took my life. Yeah. And the yeah. only way I am sitting here today is truly the magic of whatever that cloud is, whatever phone you have. Please, if you get to that point that I was at, life is so much better living than it is to leave a world behind without you. So don't get to that point. And if you need to hear my story again, listen to it. There is always a better way. And it may not be you. It could be something in your own DNA. It could be your serotonin. It could be another part of your brain lesions. It could be anything. But please reach out and get help. Yeah, absolutely. I think we don't know enough, or not enough people know about side effects of drug medication. So it's oh. a really important message. Yeah, and it really is. So, I mean, if I, you were my doctor and I had come to you and said, okay, I've been on this drug now for two months and I'm not the same, what do I do? You probably would have taken me off of that. Absolutely, yeah. Another lesson I had to learn. But I yeah. learned it, and now yeah. every day that I am alive, I will continue to share it. And it's really difficult for me to share it because 
the thought of me wanting to like I thought the world would be better without me I thought my family would be better without me but look what the world has given me right yeah yeah I think in a lot of times people that have those thoughts it's, and then years later realize why did I think that you know it was a, it was a temporary thought or you know something that I, I I later learned to overcome and do and yeah life life is worth is worth living and, and fighting for and there are things that things and people that can and want to help you and I think you know, I think hearing your story hopefully helps other people realize that and doesn't have to learn the lesson the same way that you do there's always there's always I hope not. I truly, truly hope not, Dr. Benson, because that is not the answer for anybody. It's not the answer for anybody. The answer is find help and let someone know you're struggling. Because when we actually realize we need help is when the world is going to start to open the doors because we're learning yeah, learning is and learning is so powerful. And learning, you you offer so much so much knowledge and and so many ways to learn different things. And I hope to to continue to do the same. That's one of the best things you can do with any diagnosis or and in in, in life in general. Just continue, never stop learning. Never <laughs> stop learning. So much. Yeah. yeah, and I was the worst learner, and you already read all that because <laughs> I mean I had the most difficult time learning, but I never realized why. Well, when you're born ill with asthma and you're constantly in the hospital and you're being drugged with so many different antibiotics and drugs and steroids and then allergy shots and da 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 How many of us have really been through all of that and how much has it destroyed our DNA? Yeah, yeah. So you being a doctor of the brain is like one of the most, I think, spectacular jobs to have. It, it is. I, I do love my job and what I do and, you know, meeting people like you, like I've said before, um, it's sometimes hard in the healthcare community or just, you know, in any community to find someone who genuinely wants to support and help you. And I'm just so thankful that I found you and, um, I love our conversations. Well, I'm so thankful that I found you as well and that you're there to help me balance off these things that I keep throwing at you. And (laughs) in the meantime, we're both learning and we're not afraid to learn and we're not afraid to bring our knowledge or no knowledge and accept who we are for who we are yeah i think you know and that's a great a great part of part of learning is admitting something that you don't know so i and i had a I struggle with that especially like when i was in school i wanted to be the best and so i if someone asked me a question i would pretend like i knew it or if they said do you understand this i would say yes even when i didn't and i've learned so much about i've learned so much more willing to ask questions and um you know not being afraid of of feeling stupid. I feel stupid literally almost every day about something. And I just getting over that and saying, Oh, I didn't know that. And, but I want to learn more about it. Like, what can you tell me about it? That's where you're really going to get further. Like we don't even need to use that word stupid because we're not, it's because we have to learn and nobody is illiterate. Everybody has the chance to learn. Our brain is so magical even though I and, and I never realized this till you just said it and it just all of a sudden clicked in my brain for the moment brain injury everyone living with multiple sclerosis has brain injury the fact that you actually just said that and that's the first time it has related to me 
Because brain injury to me before was an actual injury of an impact to the brain. Right, like traumatic brain injury. Traumatic brain injury. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm living with brain injury. Half of my brain has a lot of holes that will never be normal again or recoverable. They're there. They're, they've been there. There is no more. So we have to come out of that brain injury and relearn. Right. And I never, yeah. I never put those two together to just right now. Yeah, it's different. It's a different type, but it definitely your brain has has in, has injuries to leave all these lesions and yeah. But there's there's things we can do about it. <laughs> yes. So um, why don't we talk about your book so everyone knows yes. what's coming out? Yes, it's uh, it's called Breakthrough Multiple Sclerosis. And it's geared towards people who are newly diagnosed or have minimal deficits caused by multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. And it's it's meant to help people learn as much as they can about the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, um, understand your brain and what goes on when you get these lesions, and then kind of strategies to help you fight back against it. So it details the symptoms of MS and then goes mm-hmm. into treatment options you can have for those. And it ends with a preventative or and prehabilitative program um, for strengthening and exercises and balance and endurance and stretching just to help avoid things that are preventable or at least prehabilitate your body to overcome kind of or weather a storm. If you if you get hit with a, an uncontrollable relapse, your body is prepared to handle it. Yeah, which is so important. So important. Yeah, yeah, and I cannot important. wait for this book to come out. I'm Thank so you, excited about it. So you did have a post on there. If you feel like you have a story you want to share in my book, they can actually email you with their story, and then you're going to be able to interview them and see if that fits your book, which is yes. an amazing opportunity for everyone in the world living with multiple sclerosis to be able to come to you and share their story, and they may be published within your book. Yeah, it's incredible. I've I've have about I think eight stories in the book right now, um, and they're you know I was realizing before I put the stories in that it was very like kind of I didn't want it to be like medical jargon. I'm trying to write it in a way that's easy for everyone to understand, but mm-hmm. it, it, it the stories now break up all this like heavy information with something that people can relate to, and I think it makes the book a lot more engaging and interesting and, and readable. So I love the stories that I've gotten and the people who have reached out to me. I'm so thankful for and. Um, I'm excited to, for other people to hear their stories as well. It's amazing what you're doing, and it's a beautiful gift that you are giving us into the world because you don't have to have MS to read the book that you are writing right now. You, right. Your book could actually be one of the books teaching the next generation of doctors. Yeah. I am going to like bring it out to the rehab community and, and kind of share it with them, and I hope anyone who's interested in specializing or working with people that have multiple sclerosis read it, you know, rather it's physicians that, that want to know that there are preventative options for rehab um, or other physical therapists that want to, or occupational therapists, whatever the case is, it's, it's going to be a resource for a lot of people and hopefully spread the word and advocate for multiple sclerosis as well as early rehab. Yeah, it's incredible. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for writing the book. Thank you for inviting multiple sclerosis warriors to write to you to share their story that may be published within a book that is going to change the way that people view the disease and moving forward in a positive light. 
Well, thank you for you've, you've you've helped me write it, and uh, you have helped me in a, in a lot of ways. And this having this platform to talk to other people about it is huge too. So well, I, I know I, we're gonna have more podcasts. I know. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to the next podcast, and I can't wait for the next insight of what you can give us of what's coming about. And I can't wait for you to teach me more things. Of <laughs> anytime, what, anytime. I always love talking to you. It's amazing, and you know, keep keep doing what you're doing because you are going to change the world. Thank you so much. One day at a time. And you have the multiple sclerosis warriors that are following you today. And guys, if you are watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, Dr. Sam Benson is our guest today. And she is a specialist of um, brain health therapy and a physical therapist with all autoimmune, but especially multiple sclerosis. So Dr. Sam Benson, can you please tell everybody what your website is, what your Instagram is, and wherever else they can find you? Yes, my Instagram is rehab for your brain. Um, and my company is called Brain Hab Physical Therapy. So that's you can find brainhabpt.com, some information on what I'm doing, and then follow me on social media for information on when the book is going to be published, hopefully in the next couple of months. That's amazing. I'm super excited. <laughs> I can't wait. I cannot wait for that book. And, we'll definitely do um, this again when it publishes, absolutely. if you're not too busy. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, the month of July is coming, and I'm going to be super busy um, filming the last part of Bobcat Moretti. Um, the entire month. Yeah. So I'm going to be a little quiet on social, but I'll be trying to do some stories and things like that. And then, um, yeah, we got to get that book out there and like get it in the hands of all the warriors in the world. And what you're doing is amazing. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Don Marie. Can't wait to watch Bob Cat Moretti and talk to you again soon. <laughs> I know. Super exciting. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your love. And please go follow follow Dr. Sam Benson on her Instagram and start learning how you can retrain your brain. Have Thank a great you. one. Goodbye, everybody. Have a fabulous evening. Bye-bye.